Today is Friday, September 29th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today is a very laid-back day. We'll just get that out of the way. So it's a sleepy day. It's rainy here. I'm doing some work. Um, we get a guy, Jen, who's our guest, who talks about denominational stuff. We get into different uh, liturgical churches, styles, things like that. Um, what's the differences? Non-denominations. Um, non-denominational, the denomination, or non-denominational, actually meaning no denominational affiliation. <laughs> so we talk about some church denominations and topics like that. Uh, then we end up, we, we are graced by a, a song of the Psalms from our friend Brian. Listen for that one. It's like the voices of angels um, harmonizing. It's really good. Um, anyway, King James style. And then we end up with uh, some conversation that ended well enough, but I thought it was going to go off the rails. <laughs> so, And then Chris talks about his motorcycle, and we talk about 90s computer game nerd stuff. Because there's not enough people since Clubhouse did its update to ask us questions about Christianity. <laughs> so, if you have a better platform to go to with Fish in the Sea, that's what we need. So until then, we're just doing uh, discipleship style, uh, which, you know... Everyone's like, okay, yeah, we agree, we agree, we agree. All right, let's talk about video games. Anyway, so it was fine today. Um, stay tuned. And check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store to support this podcast and sharing the gospel with people on the internet. Take care. Have an awesome weekend. But there's even Jehovah Witnesses. Maybe you don't consider them Christian, but regardless, some of them keep Sabbath, you know, because they read in the Bible, like, oh, no, we have to keep it. Some Something like that, you know what I'm saying? It's like a bit, it reminds me a bit of Martin Luther, you know, when he said the Bible is the only like authority. But then he wanted to remove the book of James, I think, because he didn't like uh, what he says, but you have to do works for faith. Or when he says something like, um, what was it? Faith without works is dead. Yeah, something like that. He didn't like the yeah. book of Revelation either, you know. Yeah, and he I also removed a... the, the apocryphal books. <clears throat> yeah, I don't have a problem with Sola Scriptura because I, I really, you know, a crazy thing, I really believe God. So, you know, Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to live with you and, you know, you'll be guided and led into truth and understanding by the Holy Spirit. So someone who really believes that, and I'm sure, you know, lots of people who went awry claim that too and say, look what I'm doing. It's fine because God's leading me. Um, <clears throat> but who knows their heart? So, you know, if they're doing something wonky, that's between them and God. God have mercy on them. But, you know, for me, who... Truly, I, I want to get this right. I want to be as biblically accurate as possible. So I think that's why the overwhelming majority of Christians, like even though they deviate on denominational stuff or finer points, most of them get the main stuff right. Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, Jesus alone saves you, that type stuff. Most of them will get that right. Um, so when people like usually Catholics or whatever or Orthodox people say that you can't do sola scriptura because I, I mean it's happening to some degree, even if they don't want to say it, they'll say, well, you got to do sola scriptura and tradition and church fathers. Okay, great. So somebody is interpreting it, just not the individual, and they're like, no, 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 that's not it. But that really is it. So like somebody is interpreting it, no matter what. Um, so yeah, you know, there is no authority. Like in the church, there's a structure, there's a hierarchy, like you know, pastors, deacons, stuff like that, elders, but. <clears throat> Between us and God, we don't go to someone else who then goes to God for us. We go directly to God. So, you know, like the Bible talks about working your, out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I'm a big believer in that. So, you know, we have the Bible, we have the scriptures. And, you know, I grabbed the Ethiopian Bible. I have a copy of that. So 
it's not like I haven't read the Apocrypha or all the other stuff. Like, you know, if you want everything that could have possibly been considered scripture, just grab like the 86 book Ethiopian Bible. And for me, I mean, I read through it and I, I learned real quick that, you know, the 66 version of the Bible, that's the main thing. Like that's got all the big stuff about doctrine, about Jesus, about the other stuff. Um, you know, the other books. Even I mean, Apocrypha. you do know that the rabbis were like discussing among themselves if the book of Esther was inspired because there's no mention of God. They were also talking about the Song of Songs, right? It's too sexual. So there was discussions, you know. And for example, for the Jews nowadays, they don't take all the words of the Bible absolutely inspired. Like, for example, the five books of Moses, those are without exception absolutely inspired. Then I think you have like uh, the prophets and they say that if something that the prophets say contradicts the Torah, then they prioritize the Torah. And then you have the, um, I think it's the Psalms, the Proverbs and, and uh, the wisdom books. And they say that actually those books are not absolutely inspired. They say they're like useful, but they don't take them like as being, you know, like super important as the Torah. Well, yeah, let me finish what you're saying. So. Anyways, the point is, all the stuff that has to do with salvation, which is also not the Torah that you're talking about. I mean, you know, it's good to see where we came from. But if you want to know how to be saved in Christ, you don't read Esther. Right. So, so the New Testament, like it's good and important to read the Old Testament to see the progression, to see the progressive revelation. But if anyone wants to know, like, what do I do right now? Like, I'm looking for the answer. I'm not looking for the thing that will eventually give me the answer, like the Old Testament. Like, just give me the quickest thing I could possibly get. Great. Start with the New Testament. Start with the answer. Start with Jesus start with the first century church and the disciples that he tells that he makes that he tells. So that's it. <clears throat> so when, whenever that's all you need, like it takes a special kind of cult member to take, you know, love each other. And I'm the only way the father, I'm the resurrection and the life. Like it, it takes a special kind of cultist to mess up the teachings of Jesus. So um, that's what I, that's why I would say. That's why soul scriptura is just fine. The Bible is, um, and some people say Sola Scriptura doesn't mean you only read the Bible, but the Bible is the highest authority. But I mean, <clears throat> for me, it's one and the same. Like, you don't need to overcomplicate things. Are it's you considering yourself thing. part of the first century church? <clears throat> that's the goal. Like, that's the point of, of kind of like the non-denominational. So don't, thing, don't, you, don't you agree that um, the first church must have continued what was given in the Old Testament with like a specific liturgical way of worshiping God? I mean, you have the entire book of Leviticus, right? Entire well, tribe. Wait, wait, wait. No, they, they didn't. So no, look at Acts 21. Like, is it Acts 21, 15 or Acts 15, 21? This is, look, uh, they were fighting about this, right? The old custom circumcision. Like right, the okay, old why, why do you need to break bread then? Why do you need to do communion? What's the point of it? Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Like, he tells us. Sounds like a ritual to me. What does so that have anything so to baptism. do with... What does that have anything to do with Sola Scriptura? It's in the scripture. Like, why are you shift? I don't know if you're moving the goalposts or trying to launch to another game. No, 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 but... no, no, no. I, I asked you, do you consider yourself part of the church of the first century? Sure. I mean, I that's why I was pointing you... at the Old Testament, the continuity with the liturgical system. Well, what are you trying to say? The first century church in like Corinth, like continued like stuff from Leviticus. What do you mean by that? You want to say something, mister? Are you speaking, mister? I think he wanted to say something. Well, your mic's open. If you wanted to speak, Bill, just let us know. But no, so to reset, 
what the Bible says, the life of Christ, the first century church, that should be the goal of everyone. It shouldn't be to overcomplicate things. It shouldn't be to add thousands of years of tradition and rituals and other stuff on top of what the Bible does not say. It yeah, but be. it was the same. It was the same in <clears throat> Why Judaism. Why do I get like halfway through my point and then you interrupt me? It makes me think you don't want to care. <laughs> so we should stay as close to Christ and the first century church as possible. So when Paul says in, in like Acts 15, 21 or 21, 15, I'm mixing that up. When he says, it seems good to us in the Holy Spirit, abstain from blood. Uh, don't drink blood, abstain from food offered to idols and sexual immorality and like uh, one other thing, and you will do well. So it's not about rules. It's about a relationship. We learn about Jesus. We be his disciple. We live as he lived. That's it. We focus on God. We don't focus on man. That's my answer. Well, you yeah, still I trust mean, the apostles. Nate, well, uh, Nate, couldn't you go as far as saying that um, Peter got essentially kind of like corrected by Jesus for focusing too much on Old Testament traditions? It was by Paul. Paul, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's exactly what Acts, like, again, 15 or 21, I'm, I'm interchanging those. But it's somewhere in Acts between 15 and 21. They have that discussion because Peter, like, you know, forsakes the Gentiles and he's, like, only eating with, like, um, the Jewish people. And he's, like, trying to, like, get people to go back under the law of circumcision and things like that. So, yeah, Paul corrects him. He's like, bro, what are you doing? No, this is wrong. And then he's like, oh, you're right. My bad. So, brother, like, how is this? So, how is this confusing for you, brother? Like, if Peter was trying to do exactly what you're saying and he got corrected, uh, it wasn't why, brother. Why it was Jen it? speaking. I'm sorry. Excuse me. What has to do with Peter? I just said. Hello. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What has to do with Peter? What they what they said before. I don't know, CEO. Uh, what were you saying? You there? Oh, you're cutting out really bad, CEO. Oh, yeah, that's awful. Well, yeah, we can't hear anything. Try again in a few minutes. <laughs> Sorry, I lost the point, Nate. What, what was CEO saying? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then he cut out. Like, something about, like... Oh, I think the point he was making was... Man, I don't know. <laughs> was something to do with Paul uh, rebuking Peter? Yes. Okay. And yeah, Paul, Paul, Peter had a, had a dream, I think, right? But he was wrong about it. Correct. But that's my point, Jen. Is like you're saying, oh, the first century church was still following like all these old teachings. But the point is that Peter got called out for doing that. So why is this confusing to you? Well, it's not confusing, but, you know, I mean, obviously, like in the epistles and, uh, you know, you, you can't have everything, right? I mean, Paul says that we should keep of the traditions that he left behind as well. So we don't have everything he ever said in, uh, you know, it was very expensive at that time to to buy, you know, the specific like uh, leather. What, what, what was it written on leather, I think, and the ink? It was not like nowadays, you know, like buying paper and you just in, in the New Testament it. it was like in the New Testament it was like vellum, right, or parchment. Like in the Old Testament it was like animal hides. But in the in the New Testament, like, you know, in, in the times in the New Testament they would have had like um I, I think it's one step before parchment, maybe. Like I think it's called vellum. I think in the fourth century we have what is this hardcover we have nowadays in our books, you know. But before no, that not I don't fourth think... century, this would be first century. First century, you're saying. 
Did I hear that correct? First century. Yeah, like when the New Testament would have been written, like the the letters, the epistles of Paul, like it would have been on like a paper type thing. I mean, not like an animal hide and not like a stone tablet. It would have been on something more akin to paper, less akin to animals. Well, it still was very expensive, you remember, but like even in medieval Ooh, times, yeah. the Bibles were like put in chains because they were so expensive to produce. And oh, yeah. basically, if you would steal it, you would make lots of money. <laughs> yeah, something. totally true. Yeah, manuscripts <laughs> were very expensive. And look, we have, we have, hey guys, good morning. Um, good morning. I can't wait have... to hear what fun stuff you've got into yesterday, but yeah, let's finish this up. Uh, I got, I got mad and yelled at somebody. Um, so, so another day. Yeah, another day. Um, so we actually have manuscripts where they actually scratched out stuff because the, the paper or whatever, whatever the paper substances was so expensive that the early church actually wrote over things. And they're, they're using, um, very cool technology now to see what was written underneath what was scratched out. Um, so it's pretty neat. Yeah, I think it was happening also with other like pagan writings as well. I think I've seen it in a documentary. Oh yeah, all kinds of writings. I mean, like all the writings in the ancient world. Yeah, yeah, that's very common. Um, so this is actually related a bit to what we were talking before, right? Like, can you imagine like every Christian agrees that we have like loads and loads of copies of the New Testament, right? Like five thousand plus or something like that. Tons. So, yep. so obviously you had to have like people like monks right like being highly educated uh in you know in writing and uh, in whatever else they were like trained they were not like just common peasants and um well that comes a lot later so you're talking about like in the medieval period or like in the 700s you know to like the 1400s that that is true for that but you know before that the church was being persecuted you know tons of manuscripts were burned um, but still, the, the texts survive, and we have... Yeah, but we're talking about Gnostic Gospels there. Oh, oh, oh. So, well, no. There was tons of Christian manuscripts burned by the Romans. The Gnostic Gospels actually survived, you know, as well. Well, but, not yeah, in I mean, not in full integrity. Well, no, not, not, we but, not, not that, that I missed them anyways. Preserved. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't say that... Like, we would say that the New Testament was absolutely miraculously preserved. We wouldn't say the same of extra-biblical books or... or heretical books so like, especially for gnostic books you know like you can see yeah. they were written later because they take from the canonical and from writings mm -hmm. of paul and they they kind of like take what they like they praise it and then what they don't like they kind of like talk against it so that's how you yeah. can understand but they were written later actually yeah no, that's totally true i mean like you take something like something early like the proto-evangelion of james um where a lot of the marian doctrines come from that was a Gnostic gospel. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was preserved by the church. Um, even though it was a Gnostic gospel because it contained the Marian doctrines. Interestingly enough. I think it was preserved because there's like the parents of, uh, Mary, I forgot their names, something like that. Yeah. They are knowledge, yeah. but it's not like a canon or anything. No, it's just... not canon, but it was definitely, that's where the Marian doctrines come from. So like the idea of Mary, um, you know, being taken to the temple at three years old and, uh, you know, being, or I'm sorry, two years old and, uh, being raised in the Holy of Holies and fed by angels, um, that kind of thing. All of those traditions come from that book. 
I mean, I think we know from history that um, some bishops asked their monks, you know, to like get rid of these Gnostic Gospels because they were contradicting, you know, the, the canon of the scripture. Well, that happens far, far later. So, like, that didn't happen in the early church because nobody had control like that. And even even after the toleration of Christianity in 312, there was still pockets of resistance and citizens that rose up against Christians. You know, it wasn't totally safe. Um, it wasn't until, you know, much later on when the Roman Empire made Christianity the official religion um, that a lot of that stuff stopped. But there were still lots of burnings of manuscripts. But again... The New Testament was clearly preserved. Um, we used criticism, we use um, like textual variants to prove the authenticity of the New Testament writings because um, the, the slight errors here and there show that people were hastily, they were very hastily caught. You're chopping uh, up a little bit. Yeah, you're, you're breaking out. Sorry. <clears throat> Don't be sorry, be better. <clears throat> <laughs> Another driver, yeah? Are you fixing it, or are you in a hallway? It was an echo chamber, but not the good kind. <laughs> it sounded like transformer sounds, you know, like robots or something. <laughs> All right, let me try that. Is that better? Yes. Back on Wi-Fi. Anyway, textual criticism is very interesting and uh, it's super fun. So what is your stance, Chris? Are you also Christian non-denominational? I am also non-denominational Christian. Oh. So and we're two very different types of non-denominational. We're very different non-denominationals. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, even though we're both non-denominational, we still have pretty varied views. Oh my goodness, man. <laughs> because it doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. And if you think God forces you to be a Christian versus you think you can choose to be a Christian, none of that matters. You're both Christians. Well, nobody's forcing anybody. That's the difference one side of the aisle. That's the difference well, between Islam and you can straw Christianity. Man. You can straw man that side of the aisle. But... <clears throat> No one actually believes God's forces anymore. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Well, so drags and chains, right? <laughs> do they is there a Calvinism perspective in Islam? I'm curious about that. Yeah, Calvinism, something like predestination. Calvinism is, Calvinism is Islam is people that like how do I say this? Chop heads. I think they did that, right? Calvinists they did burn people at the stake. No, oh my goodness, no. Oh my gosh. Servetus. Um, no, Servetus had a death penalty across the entire European continent. He escaped the Roman Catholics in France the night before he was going to be burned at the stake by them. He then went to Geneva to troll Calvin and stayed there for over two years while people tried to convince him that his Unitarian nonsense was bad. Finally, with pressure from all of the other city-states around them about to invade them and slaughter all of them if they did not execute Servetus, they gave in, put him on trial, had a full trial for Servetus in which John Calvin did participate but was not a, was not a, a uh, citizen of Geneva. Like, he, he wasn't even a citizen. Like, he couldn't, he, he wasn't on the town council. The town council then voted after the trial to execute Servetus by burning at the stake 
Calvin went to the town council, begged them to just do something else besides burn him at the stake. They refused. They burned Servetus at the stake. That is the whole story. Would that be like Paul standing by while Christians were murdered? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it would be. No, it would have been. So Servetus was so heinous and such a terrible guy and was advocating actually for the genocide of all Christians in Europe by the Muslims. This was an actual position. You can go and read his writing that he took. He was writing letters to the Muslim caliphate, begging them to invade Europe and genocide all Christians. What a piece of shit. Yeah. And, And then the siege of Munster, he was cheering on the siege of Munster where they were raping teenage girls in the streets when the Unitarians took over Munster. Look up the Siege of Munster. Like, yeah, Servetus was a bad, bad, bad guy. And he had the death penalty in all of Europe, not just Geneva. Little lighthearted conversation this morning to get things going. Oh, definitely. (laughs) It's history anyways. I love history, so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so what's your opinion guys on Eastern Orthodoxy if you don't mind me asking I think Chris is into it (laughs) so I think that the Eastern Orthodoxy with Theosis and some of the other core doctrines and Gregory Paulus I mean I I think that it kind of misses the mark from biblical Christianity Um, you know it's very difficult to pin down because Eastern Orthodox don't write a lot of stuff down Whereas the Roman Catholics have the CCC and, and have volumes of writing where you can just nail down their doctrine and they just will defend it. Um, every time I ask an Eastern Orthodox person or a uh, Eastern Orthodox uh, priest um, or deacon to tell me the gospel, I get a completely different answer. And so I don't know what to do with that. What do you do with that, Jin? Well, I definitely noticed like a lack of. Um, so I was born like in a Pentecostal family, Protestant, right? So Bible was really important for us, and that's how I learned like the sixty-six books, you know, throughout my life. And um, even my wife, we noticed that like many Roman Catholics, Orthodox, they don't read their Bible really. Um, I don't know. I think they emphasize a lot in making people like saints into saints, more into practices like rosary or Jesus prayers. I mean, I mean I'm mixing both now, like Roman Catholics and or Eastern Orthodox, although they're not super identical. They have differences. Like I think Eastern Orthodox, they don't believe in original sin. They have ancestral sin. They don't believe that the guilt is um, of sin is like transmitted or something. They it's view grace differently. Nuanced. Yeah, yeah, it's like, nuanced. It's very nuanced. They, but they many many people put them together. Sin. Yeah, they, they do believe in original sin. Like, I would never say that they don't believe in original sin. What I would say is that they have a different take on exactly what the stain of guilt is. They would say that that because Adam committed the sin, that they don't they don't bear the guilt of Adam's sin, but that they would say that you have a proclivity to sin being based on original sin. And so it, it, it's a very complex doctrine in their system, and so I want to be fair to it. 
Yeah, I think it has to do with Saint Augustine. I think the the East they were shocked when they read his books, and they think that he never really got hold on to Greek properly, and he might have misunderstood certain things. At least that's what they say. I mean, I do find beautiful things in Augustine, but I also find atrocious things like, you know, babies going to hell. That's crazy. That's what turns me off from the West and brings me more towards the East, you know. They're not baptizing children because they're going to burn in hell, you know, like in the West, if they don't baptize. They baptize them to be part of the body of Christ or something like that, to be partaking of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Protestants don't believe that... You know, you have to have infant baptism or babies go to hell either. So, I mean, there's that. I think the only evidence they have is when Paul goes and baptizes the whole household, right? Uh, there's a specific family where he goes. Right, but there's no there's no sense that there's any infants there. Like, I mean, how old's the Philippian jailer? Uh, <laughs> we don't know. Okay, well, what makes you think he has babies? We don't know. What makes you think his children aren't like 10 years old each? You know, ten and nine and seven. We don't know. It's like a, it's an argument in silence. Um, you know, I want to ask you something uh, outside of this because these are things. But I also know. Do you know anything about what happened when Islam appeared? Why, like so many Christian countries in North Africa and the Middle East, got so easily conquered and converted? Was it just through brute force? It was very much through brute force. It's very bad. Like. Essentially, the empire had been, cr you know, crumbling for a long time. Um, and this happened in the West, too. You know, you had the Vig Visigoth sack of Rome, you know, in the 400s, um, you know, and like bad things to the to the empire had been happening. The Roman Empire debased its currency. It was broke. Um, the Eastern Roman Empire was no better off. Uh, they were hiring mercenary armies. Uh, there was a whole bunch of decadence. There's there's a whole bunch of really interesting history as to just how weak the Eastern Roman empire was when the rise of Islam occurred. And, you know, but it still took them what, six centuries to conquer Constantinople. So yes, they were weak, but I mean, it did take them 600 years to finally take Constantinople. So you have that. Well, I'm Romanian, uh, natively so i should know better but yeah we didn't have a good history with them you know with the orientals you know with the muslims it's much easier i think for oh, the yeah. west in america to be accepting of them but we have like some grudge i mean they treat our like ancestors really bad really bad uh, yeah they did uh, are you do you live in romania do you, do you live in bucharest or no i live in aq right now Oh, okay. I have a good friend who's a missionary in Bucharest. He runs the um, he runs the mission church in Bucharest, like the where all the foreign nationals go. It's the English speaking church in Bucharest. He's the pastor there. Okay, interesting. You know, it's a bit weird. You know, like when you go and you uh, do missionary work in Christian. I mean. It's not really Christian country anymore, right? I think all the West is not Christian anymore. It's basically secular countries with um, Christian religions inside, pretty much nowadays. Yeah, I mean, since, look at since... Russia. <laughs> 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 what? Ah, oh, because of the uh, Orthodox priest spies? Yeah, the government is working with the church or something like that? 
Well, I mean, yeah, that and like, you know, like there's a whole video of the patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Russian church blessing the Ukrainian invasion and telling people that if they die on the battlefield, that's an instant ticket to heaven. I think they have uh, a cathedral for military, for the military, right? Yeah. And then Vladimir Putin was in that service standing right next to the dude. And there's like whole video of this thing. It's nuts. Yeah, sorry, is my baby making noises? I'm trying to mute myself. We think it's cute. Baptize them EO style. EO style? <laughs> oh, no. You mean like you mean you mean like you mean like uh, you know what's interesting actually? Because um, among this debate between Catholics and Eastern Orthodox, right? The Orthodox are they're angry on the Catholics because they don't do full immersion, right? But I've been to an Orthodox church, and uh, there was like this Arab Muslim. He converted to Orthodoxy. By the way, he's like uh, from Saudi Arabia. He said that if his, if his parents find out, they're gonna kill him. So, <laughs> wow. Anyways, uh, basically, like he was three times just uh, washing his head in the in the church. It was not full baptism, you know, like full immersion. Yeah, it was a bit funny, you know. Um, yeah, what better no, way to what you what you guys think about um, <laughs> baptism? Should it be like in uh, in running water, like a river? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Different churches have different traditions. You know, like we don't believe in baptism or regeneration, so you know it's a sign and a symbol that you have joined the local assembly. That's what it means to us. A rite of initiation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we joke, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it, so what we say is that the Holy Spirit baptizes you at salvation. That is what gives you the membership to the universal invisible church. And then your outward sign of baptism is what gives you membership to the, to the local church. I mean, to be fair, like, you know, when I said about the rite of initiation, right, um, we have Christmas, which is, used to be a pagan uh, feast of the Romans, right? Saturnalia. It was basically converted into Christianity. I was always wondering why we don't keep the Jewish feasts anymore. I mean, Jesus did keep them. I think maybe even Paul. Well, we're not Jewish. We're not Jewish. There's that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, truth to be told, like even Jews nowadays, they say that uh, Gentiles should they shouldn't convert to Judaism. They just should keep the seven Noahide laws. You guys hear hear of that? The Noahide laws. Yep, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on that? Just okay. no. Do what Jesus said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing is that Ezekiel thirty six twenty four talks about God will remove your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. That heart of flesh enables you to have God's law written on your heart, like through Deuteronomy twenty two talks about. And so, you know, when we have a new heart. We are given a new mind and new desires, and those desires will match the law and decree of God. Yeah, I mean, like uh, nowadays, Jews like this ultra orthodox. I don't think they match Second Temple Judaism, anyways. I think they changed quite a lot. Do you guys study anything about Judaism? 
Well, I mean, the basics, not in depth, because again, not Jewish. I mean, you know, my my education in Judaism comes from, I guess, the Old Testament, and then having lots of talks with you know friends of mine who are rabbis. Um, so I mean, I have, I, I think I have a pretty good handle on the basics. Um, but I mean, like you know, in depth, no. Like most of my com- um, conversations from Judaism is <clears throat> understanding, you know, like their laws as a, uh, you know, so I can be a middleman for like atheists that want to pretend like they can read the 613 Levitical laws in the Old Testament and have a perfect understanding of what that means. Um, and then showing them how ignorant they are, they are and how they do not. I mean, that's that's most of my Jewish discussions. Right. How do you guys deal with atheists? Just to change the topic. Repent and believe the gospel. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's usually <laughs> that's usually where it ends. I mean, otherwise you'll talk until you're blue in the face. And I mean, you know, there's so much stuff in Proverbs um, that says it. So, I mean, you know, on one hand, it's like, look, ask anything you want. Like, we're here to answer questions is the whole point. Um, but at a certain point, uh, you know, you're never going to get it. Like, if, if you want to, like, you know, be like, so do you really think a serpent talks? You really believe in an invisible sky fairy daddy that makes snakes talk? Okay, let's be normal. We believe in a God that created everything. So that's your baseline. So yeah, a talking snake, a floating boat, not a big deal. Not a big deal. So it's not as like crazy and fanciful as they want to make it sound. Um, so yeah, like, you, you know, you should believe it or you shouldn't. But if you're not going, if you're going to say you don't believe it, at least have a proper understanding of it instead of a warped, skewed understanding, and then fighting with like this, this like straw man made up version of Christianity that is wrong. Like, if you're going to reject it, at least reject the proper thing. You shouldn't, but if you're going to, that's what you should do. Um, if you want to be sincere and entertain it, stop watching YouTube videos, stop debating, pray to Jesus. Like, exercise a little faith that maybe you're not just talking in an empty room, that maybe this God is real. Do what Jesus says. Humbly, sincerely seek him. Ask him to save you, forgive you, make you born again, and show you uh, the truth of this all. That, that I mean, that, that's really it. And then, you know, do what you want from that that point. Sounds pretty much like, uh, what was it, Jesus saying? They go to from house to house, and if they don't accept it, just um, clean the, the dust from you. Yeah. Pretty see, much. it's all scriptura. <laughs> yep, see, there you go. So what about philosophy? Is it not useful? Philosophy is it, useful. Like, Nate doesn't like philosophy. It's useful I'm for what it's useful philosophy. for. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm bad at philosophy. Like, I've, you know, I've had a bunch of college classes in philosophy, but I pretty much slept through them. Or they were, like, on ancient philosophy, like Plato's Republic and stuff. So, like, I got some philosophy, but I'm real, real bad at it. And I tell atheists that straight up. I'm just like, you guys, if you want to have a philosophical chat, you're going to destroy me every time because I just don't know enough to be able to make the arguments. Now, some Calvinists are really good in philosophy, and they will just make your head go boom. <laughs> I know, right? Chris is letting down his his Calvinist uh, brethren. But I mean, that's you know, I, I keep trying to think why I hate philosophy so much, and it's, I don't. I, and it's not like I hate it. I, I just hate it when it becomes like diminishing returns and stops being useful for for the point, which the point here is Christianity and sharing the gospel. Um, but it's like when people start philosophizing so much, it's like your premise has to be true. And you don't know if your premise is true. And that's what makes my head like just that's what makes me crazy about like when people get philosophical on religion. It's like you're like, oh, well, then if there's a God or if there's this and you're using your human brain, that means your human brain and the points you're making have to be correct. There is no way to verify if what you say is true. 
Um, so it's like I, I just hear Paul talking about spiritual discernment versus the natural wisdom of man. And I'm like, guys, you are a walking proverb right now. You're thinking yourself so wise because you're like building this Tower of Babel upon each other's backs. And you're like, oh, well, I philosophize this. I philosophize that. It's like you're about to just crumble and fall and make an embarrassment of yourself. And you don't even know it. Um, so while they're cr like running around claiming victory on some crumbly tower, I'm just thinking, have you guys never read Paul? You've said you've read the Bible more than every Christian put together. That's the common claim of atheism. Like, I've read the Bible a million times. Great. Do you remember any of it? Do you remember the part about, like, thinking themselves high and mighty and wise and they were, like, utter fools and disgraced? That's you right now. And trying to think of a loving, gentle way to, to get them to get that um, is, is not always easy or well-received. This reminds me of the criticism the Eastern Orthodox have towards the Catholics, you know, that they went too much into scholasticism, too much into rationality. And there's obviously like some limitations to our mind, I think. And I think that's why Jesus always emphasizes on the heart. Because the mind is just, I don't know, can keep searching forever, right? Because the heart is deceitful above all, so you can understand it. Yeah, the new heart, not that heart. Oh. I, I imagine is what he meant, maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, I no, no, no. I, I remember in the West we went too much on the heady, heady stuff in the head. Right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, but what if this is wrong? But what if is that is that? You know? And it's like, okay, let me see this religion. Let me see that, and then it becomes just a big soup, and then it's like, ah, whatever. <laughs> Throw the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> yeah, I think people like over intellectualizing things. Um, it's just a stumbling block. It doesn't mean intellect's bad, but it means, you know, like atheists, a common trope is follow your heart, but take your brain with you. Um, well, the other way is not wrong either. You know, follow your brain, but don't forget that's not all, right? Like, ah, please give me a break. We don't even know what a woman is nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah, and these people want to philosophize about the existence of, like, space wait, and time. Wait, wait, wait. Like, uh, I think I'm going to see some do? people leaving. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I understand what you're saying. You know, yeah, like uh, you know, like we're all inclusive except we don't like Christians for some reason. Oh yeah, that's that's hilarious, right? Like we will accept everyone. Oh, but not you. You guys are hateful and bigoted. It's like, wait, what? No, I, I believe in Jesus and have eternal life. Yes, you're hateful. Like uh, that guy's raping babies over there. It's fine. He's a minor attracted person. Uh, but we just say have eternal life in Jesus. Ah, please. It happens again. everywhere. It happens everywhere. You know, like among Jews, you know, Orthodox Jews, you have pedophiles. Among um, or uh, sorry, Buddhists, you have pedophiles. It's like they just like to overemphasize, just to you know, always excuse their, I don't know, their hedonistic pleasures. Like, ah, I see. The church is full of pedophiles. That's it. I can. I'm higher than thou. I can now just enjoy my weed and <laughs> drink my booze and watch my porn. <laughs> I'm justified. <laughs> I like this guy, Chris. You like this guy? <laughs> this guy is my spirit animal right now. Oh, great! You guys could be included in the umbrella. Uh, spirit animals, I think, are one of the accepted groups. Sweet. I mean, truth to be told, I'm still searching, but um, let's say last year I was in the same place. It's like, because uh, that, that's what I was struggling with, with the, per the idea of a personal God. I was, uh, yeah, 
or I had like a phase of atheism. So what I did, I started to think, oh, maybe there is an impersonal God, like the uh, monad, you know, in uh, Plato. Yeah, and then yeah, I was yeah. uh, thinking about uh, Justin Martyr and like some other church fathers, you know, using Greek philosophy. And I think even Aristotle and uh, Ep- Epicurus, they were debating, not not necessarily themselves, but I I heard a book, like um, what do you call those stories that are not like literal stories, but they're like um, fictional stories. Parables. Yeah. No, you know, like the Book of Judith. It's not like a literal like story. Like like a f- no, no, you have like um, fictional stories. It's like some generous. You put like real people from real world, but then you make different events with them to explain the point. So basically, there was this Aristotle talking to this Epicurus. You know, Epicurus is this like philosopher, which is um, was criticized by the Greek philosophers of being denying the gods, right? Because he came with this idea of like um, everything is atom and uh, empty space. Um, yeah, so they had this like uh, fictional talk between them, right? One was trying to demonstrate, you know, the spiritual world, the archons and so on. And one was like, no, this is nonsense. I find it quite interesting, you know. And um, yeah, I think philosophy can help. But indeed, I think it's like, you know that movie, what was it called? The Case for Christ? I watched it, I think, when it came out. Yeah, I think that faith is important. <laughs> Well, what's yeah. the thing like, like speaking of like vapid philosophy, what's the thing like Epicurus said? It was like, oh gosh, it was like if um if God is something, then something, and if he can't do this, then why call him God? I oh yes, yeah. He it's also so has obnoxious. something. He also has something with death. You know, like oh, if that that is just annihilation, why do you suffer? And it goes up and down. All right, let's see. Where is this quote? Okay, <clears throat> Epicurus calls it God. Where's the quote? Where is it? I don't want to know about the quote. I want the actual quote. Uh, wait a second, I might find it. Chat GPT is letting me down right now. I mean, you got to put your faith in something. (laughs) You know, uh, Chris, something you said a few minutes ago was very interesting to me in terms of you saying that, like, Rome basically fought off, like, you know, being defeated for six centuries and, like, if America had a run to like 2376, that would seem pretty darn impressive. Yet it seems like we kind of criticize Rome for falling. Well, I mean, yeah, so I was talking about Constantinople, not Rome, but like, um, yeah, I mean, Rome fell to the Visigoths in 450 something. Um, right? Is my right about Somebody help me on that one. I don't remember the exact date. I'm bad with that. GPT is um, still spitting out the last answer. It'll it's called, it's called God Paradox. Epicurus God Paradox, date. I have it when, yeah, I have the quote whenever they're done. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're right, CEO. I mean, like these are civilizations that lasted a really long time and it did. I mean, you know, the Byzantine Empire definitely had its issues, um, but they did fight everybody off for about six centuries until the Middle Ages and then, then they got defeated. And part of the part of the Great Schism was that, you know, the the remnants of the Roman Empire in the West refused to send armies to help the Byzantines ward off, um, you know, the Muslims. That was one of the, the big deals in the Great Schism. They want to pretend it's about theology. It was really about politics. I have the quote. Imagine this in the most snarky, I'll just read a snarky voice. Is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able or willing? Then why call him God? Oh my goodness, if I were the most high, just lightning bolts, just boom, 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 boom. Just giant crater where that guy stands. That is so obnoxious. He is the embodiment of Romans 1. Okay. I mean, maybe he's a nice guy. Maybe he made a good quiche or something, but that is obnoxious. <laughs> well, he was criticized by the Greeks, you know, being against the gods, you know. And he had to say, oh, no, 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 I just mean, you know, it's, the gods are representing metaphors. <laughs> so he had to yeah, save his ass somehow. Nice walk back. <laughs> I think also Socrates was accused, right, and uh, executed, no? Uh, yeah, For disbelieving the gods. Was executed for disbelieving in the gods yes correct they famously made him drink hemlock oh this reminds me of islam bringing corruption into the land we will execute you and we are proud of that <laughs> like there's there's little that says like you know i have evidence and a strong belief that you know my my theology is correct than murdering people who disagree it's like <laughs> It's, it's like, not you know, an argument, it's right? Like, oh, you've committed blasphemy. Like, we're not going to have faith in our God to deal with you. We will deal it. We'll take it upon ourselves. Or like, you know, in the Greek pantheon or whatever, it's like, oh, you disbelieve in our gods? Well, as evidence of that, we're not going to let them deal with you. We're going to deal with you. Hey, Nate, there's actually a song that someone um, remixed with um, that Ali Dawa. And we're proud of that. We're proud of that. Yeah, that's what I was mentioning. Yeah. They're proud of that. You remember Mohammed Ijab? Doubt? What doubt, man? Be a man. <laughs> man, these guys are actually funny. What do they say? Without, without lies, Islam dies. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty true. My goodness, I'm being too politically incorrect. People are leaving the chat. No, no, just leave your address and uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Bombs coming in. <laughs> Do you convert or we chop off your head? Uh, chop off my head. <laughs> Assange chop. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. So, what is your like um, uh, response to Epicurus, Nate? Or is it like a rabbit hole you don't want to go in? Oh, we can. It's a short rabbit hole. Um, hang on, let me get back to the quote. 
what are my actual problems with this? Oh, he doesn't know. Like there, there's a bunch of splinters you can put you can put between each of his points. It, it's the X factor. So, uh, yeah. So my problem is that like he's leaving no room for an X factor like science. You know, they're not going to say this is absolutely positively the answer, the end. So, you know, even the scientific method won't do that. They'll say, you know, it's a high likelihood or the probability is high that this, this, you know, the theory of gravity, goodness, they'll make the, the theory of gravity, the probability that it is correct is really, really high, but they're not going to say this is absolutely the way it is for all time because something could change. Um, we don't know what, maybe an in galactic inversion or something where gravity stops being, but I mean, you know, even they won't say gravity is that. So the fact that he, he, he puts this dichotomy, um, it's not a true dichotomy. And then where someone's like, well, what's the third option? It's just a little bit of room for an X factor. And the fact that he won't, he wouldn't like make that caveat in my humble opinion, just shows his ignorance or arrogance. Neither is good. So yeah, if God is willing to prevent evil, and, and like we talked earlier, um, all of these have to be correct. So, so the first one, is God willing to prevent it, but unable? Is that the only reasons? Is there something else? Is there something like in Christian theology, how, you know, God gave this world to man, to man, man sinned, man disobeyed, and now it's basically the devil running the show. Um, cause God gave something to man, man gave it to the devil. So, you know, in this case, you could say, well, God is not willing to ultimately prevent evil, any evil from happening. And he says, um, is he willing, but not able, then he's not omnipotent. So that would be my problem with the first one. That's, that's not the case. Um, or he is able, which I believe God is able, but not willing, then he's malevolent. So is that the reason? Or is it for any other reason, like maybe for maybe to get people saved throughout the ages because we have these conversations? I took 10 seconds to throw in an X factor. It doesn't even need to be like reasonable, but that one is pretty reasonable. Like, is it to teach us a lesson? Is it to teach humanity what happens when we disobey? Is it like a parent teaching their child? Um, you know, by the way, if you want to get philosophical, what about people act like, you know, pain and death and suffering and all this is, is legit. And then out of the other side of their mouth, say how we all could live in a simulation then rape, murder, war, cancer, disease. It just seems really, really bad. But actually, this is a lucid dream. And when you wake up, you realize, oh, that didn't actually happen. I've been in a simulation this whole time. I'm glad I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ because, wow, if I would have thought God was evil or malevolent, huh, that would have been egg on my eternal face. Um, so just things like that. And I mean, you know, this is like armchair philosophy from someone who hates this stuff. So, I mean, you know, you would think one of the great minds of the world would have at least like put written a few of these things down and be like, okay, I have a pithy saying it's going to make me famous and, you know, lead to my death. But um, here's a couple other options that are reasonable. Anyway, so th those are my problems with that. Good what do you morning, think? Pretty good. good morning, y'all. Hey, D. How about we start with evil is subjective. What is evil? What do you consider evil? What you may consider evil may not be considered evil to someone else. So that right there just destroys the argument because there's, from that perspective, there's no objectivity when it comes to evil because what's good for the goose is not always good for the gander in either way. So, I mean, it's a very, like, it tries to box you in, but in actuality, it's like, it's a ridiculous argument. Uh, I don't know. I think evil is that which you think is wrong before you start rationalizing it. And I think 
we in, intuitively, God has given us the ability to recognize that. I think what happens, though, is people start rationalizing, and then after the rationalization, they move the needle. Well, uh, let's Jim, just put it on its most... Okay, let's, let's back up real fast. I think Jim was going to say something about the Epicurean thing, and then we can get on to evil while I stab my eyes out. But Jim, what were you going to say about the Epicurean thing? No, 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 it's okay. They, they, they can continue. It's okay. It's fine. All right, D. Evil, what's up? So let's just put it on its most survivalistic aspect, you know, food. You know what I'm saying? If you know there's a drought and there's only enough food for you and your family and you are willing to kill for keeping your food safe, is that evil? Is it evil that you're not sharing it with someone else? You know, is it evil that you have to kill a... And another animal in order for you to survive. I'm I'm pretty sure that animal doesn't think it's a positive thing. So just in essence, evil is very subjective. I mean, if we're just talking about do not kill, then or murder, then I understand that. But again, evil to one person may be different to another. Like the ant doesn't want to get stepped on, but you step on an ant in somebody's house. You know what I'm saying? It's I, I just think it's just it's so many different aspects you can go to it that to try to break it down in a few sentences is just benign to me. All right. So all right, so D, let's let's play it out for a second. So let's say there is some major drought and you are in the situation you talked about where um, you know, there's a food shortage. Instinctually the first kind of impression you have of that. Do you think it is a good thing or that it is evil? The drought or the food shortage? You having to, I think you said killing to for, to protect your food or something like that. Do you instinctually, before you start rationalizing, do you consider that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm going to eat CEO um, first. That's all I know. I'm going to probably, I don't, I probably don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. So I think like what we're all in denial of is that we first have instinctual thoughts that come to us. Right. So I think that's the real guardrail. It isn't what we do after we rationalize it, but it's the, it's the initial instinctual feel that we have or something. So if I don't think it's a bad thing, but somebody else does, is it evil? I mean, like, if we're going back to, like, this is not America, you know what I'm saying? This is not America. We have rules and regulations and don't kill and don't be petty. And, you know, we're not living in that world. We're living in just a biological, you know, survival of the fittest world, you know what I'm saying, where there are no established rules. It's just you survive or you don't. Well, I think if you it typically you take most children. I remember when my son first discovered that ca that uh, hamburgers came from cows. He wanted to become a vegetarian, right? Because like the idea of killing animals instinctually felt wrong. So, um, I, I guess I'm talking about going back to that point of the human existence, like what it what again is is really a truest in instinctual and i think that most people i mean i think probably all people at some point like when you first hear about killing animals 
that probably does not feel right. Hey, Jen, see why I hate philosophy? <laughs> well, I have a different opinion on vegetarianism or vegans, but uh, anyway, I'm going to let the guys carry on. Well, I, I've got to run, so Jen, you can carry on. <laughs> Take care, see you. What about vegetarianism? <laughs> well, but oh. they'll be they'll be beside them. And then, what about the plants? Because the plants have life, so does their life not mean anything? Like exactly, just, that's the you know what I'm saying. The philosophy of it all just gets like everything. In order to live, something has to die. That's yep. the life cycle. So that's why yeah, when you make a life. statement about evil, it's subjective. I'm pretty sure that plant doesn't want to be pulled by its roots out of the ground into this environment, you know, that is unnormal. And then it's getting chopped by a sharp object. Like <laughs> we gotta be realistic if we're going to take it to evil. It's just very like selfish to think that only humans have feelings and aspects, even though in reality, it's probably true. But like, the thing is, is that, there's so many different possibilities and realms. The vegan who's still taking life from the plant, would they are they less evil than the human who's taking life from a um an animal? Yeah, but but yeah, but that, if, well, if, that's you, a, if you feed that's yourself, it's not evil. Hang on. Well, I think that's a good point. I'm gonna start going on a crusade against climate alarmists who say we need to limit our carbon footprint print because that's slowly killing the plant life that need carbon dioxide to exist so uh they are the real enemies of exactly the planet Earth. i'm going to go on my crusade about that now so if you want to lower the carbon footprint you are murdering plants how evil is that chris are you going to join me all right chris is in jen what were you saying yeah, it's it's a ridiculous mentality. It's basically putting down oneself. It's like hating the human race rather than loving each other. And I mean, I think like in a biblical worldview, right? We were given uh, plants and animals to eat, and we can eat it, and we shouldn't be feeling guilty. Obviously, like if you eat food and you throw all the garbage in the forest, obviously it's a bad thing, right? But yeah, it can go like a bit crazy you know in the sense like some people are even they've even went breatharian they don't eat anything and they just literally off themselves i was about to say it sounds like anorexia <laughs> yeah yeah no, but actually they, they believe the... that they can absorb nutrients from the air there, there was a woman who actually she'd written a book about it and people believed her she had a following until they actually tried to like run an experiment and she realized that she'd have to do it <laughs> scientists monitoring and she almost died because uh she wasn't eating anything <laughs> wait is that kind of like the sun gazing people that think they can like stand on a cliff and like soak yes. in the rays of their sun for sustenance S similar but the sun gazing they think they're getting some kind of like energy that makes them more human the breatharians believe that they can literally absorb nutrients through the air oh boy I guess I could absorb yeast through the air, right? And so th that is the point, because once you start going into this rabbit hole, you turn into a person who thinks that you can suck in nutrients from the air. <laughs> so that's the point. Now, um, at the end of the day, that's why when they start going into evil, 
it's like, oh my gosh, cry me a river. Like, yeah, it's like, I don't care, right? Like, you think you get, like, your energy from the, the freaking airwaves or something. Like, I, I don't really care about your deeper philosophy. I, I just don't. Sorry. Maybe that's short-sighted of me, but I don't. <laughs> and this is the this is the rabbit hole of, like we said, you know, if I say you're not a woman because, you know what I'm saying, I have a uterus and everything that comes with being a woman, and you're going to tell me, but you feel like a woman. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what it feels like to be a woman. <laughs> like, because every day I feel different. So that's why I know you're not a woman, because no woman can tell you what it feels like. <laughs> so it's like... When these are the same people who are going to tell me <laughs> what is evil. I feel like that's evil. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that is evil. So that's, hey, hey, D, it's, it's awesome. Yes. The only true mark of a true woman is how many times you hit the curb when parallel parts. <laughs> you know what? You not even lying. Cause <laughs> not even parallel parking. What about hitting those corners though? Confirmed. Right? What about hitting those corners? <laughs> like, let me just roll over it. It will be fine. I done, I done ran my bumper over so many things. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife is pretty tough on cars. I'm, like, about to give her this car, like, my, my current car. I'm just like, man, that car's got some nice rims on it, and... They are not going to look nice in a year. Dude, I've had the worst experience with this car I just bought. I'm so unhappy with it. What car is it, Roland? I bought a, uh, it's a nice fucking car. I bought a 2023 Acura TLX Type S. Um, so wow. Yeah. That is, uh, that's a pretty nice car. It would be if it wasn't for the fact that it's a fucking lemon. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we don't we don't do f bombs here, but you're you're fine. But um, yeah, wow, an Acura TLXS, wow. And you're having that many problems with it? Like, what is the main problem you're having with it? <laughs> a litany. I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown. Had the car for two days, driving on the highway. As I'm accelerating, I start hearing this really loud shaking, clanking noise. Right. I call a tow. I get it towed over to the dealership. They find a bolt on the engine mount that was loose. They tighten it up. I'm like, all right, fine. Then my cruise control stops working. I bring it back in. Turns out the sensor had somehow started pointing down. So they had to adjust it so it would work. I go, all right. Then I'm hearing a sound like this humming noise whenever I turn the wheel. Like too far, or not too far, but like cut it all the way. This loud like hum noise. And um, I bring it in. They can't replicate it. So whatever. Then just last week, I um, I get home from work and my e-brakes lock up. And my power steer. I get a warning that my power steering's out. My hill control's out. My e-brakes are locked. All these things just pop up. I disconnect the battery to see if that'll fix it. Um, didn't fix it. So I had to get my car towed again on this brand new car. And turns out the e-brake plug for the actuator was not plugged in all the way. So they fixed that. And then they were able to hear that sound that I'd showed to them, but they weren't able to hear it that other time, the, the loud noise, or that wasn't able to replicate it. And uh, then they're like, oh, they kept my car for a week for that. And they're like, yeah, we have to replace the steering column. So now that's going to be another like week. So this car is like brand freaking new. And it's been in the shop already 10 days. And after it gets the uh, steering column replacement, it's going to be like another 10 days. It's insane. Does your state, 
you I assume you live in the US. Does your state have a lemon law? It does, yeah, but um I don't know if I qualify for it yet because um I think it has to be either 30 days in the shop or uh four attempts at fixing a singular issue and unable to fix it. Gotcha. But yeah, pretty pissed. Sucks. I mean, are they paying for your toes? I would hope so. I have a uh, I have Geico, so it's free. You need to write a nasty letter because nasty letters get things done. You know, I made a video once called. Um, I was in Colorado and I had a suburban, and I just got it, and it was like you were saying, like tons of issues, but one, it, it was like of all things, it was the seat. It was um, one of the back seats that's supposed to have child hooks. But anyways, it would never quite clip into place because you could remove the entire seats in the 2015 Suburbans. Um, so I, it would never go back in right. Like something was, was bent or off center. It just wouldn't align and wouldn't clip in. So they fixed it and I, I put it back in there three times. And in Colorado, it had to be three times for the lemon law. And they were unwilling to do anything. So I made a video. I, I took my baby my baby uh, carriage out there, put my little baby in it, made a video, um, like jerked up the seat to show how it wouldn't latch. And I, I titled it, Why Does General Motors Want to Ke- uh, Kill My Baby? <laughs> and um, put that out. And it took about a week. And I got a call. And um, they're just like, we, we were set to go to like arbitration, which was the method of dealing with it. So I like, had all my documents and everything ready. After I put that, it took about a week and they're like, okay, we'll take your car back. We'll pay you for everything. Dude, that is like, amazing. Oh. Maybe I'll I'm try like, to do oh. something like that. I'm like, maybe General Motors doesn't want to kill my baby. So maybe I should do something hey. like, why does Acura want me to lose control driving <laughs> on the highway and kill myself? <laughs> like, hey, Roland, so depending on the state, this may take a little research. See if they're... It, there's like car guys on YouTube in all states, right? So seek out in whatever state you're in, whoever the car, the, the YouTuber car guys are, and then drive that car over there and then just have them test drive it for like a day or two and find a bunch of the problems. And that will get absolute traction because it's the minute that social media gets a hold of something like that, they're going to be like, here's a new car. Just take it. That's actually a huge, those are really, really good points, actually. I'm going to take, the first thing I'm going to do first, though, is I'm going to see if they're going to do the right thing. And I'm going to call the manufacturer up and I'm going to tell them the types of problems I have. I'm going to exaggerate it a bit. You know, I drive every day. You know, I'm nervous to go long distances now because this car has so many problems. The whole reason I bought an Acura was for it not to have problems, this and that. And I'll see if they'll just agree to give me a swap or, you know, buy the car back or something like that. Because if they don't agree, then it goes to the state and then it gets a mark against them in terms of then they have a history of, you know, a lemon. You know what I mean? Whereas if they handle it with me, then that doesn't get created. Yeah, man. Um, That or just, you know, take it back to them and be like, sorry, I'm buying a BMW. And then they'll they'll hop right to it. I actually had a Ford before this, a uh, Mustang GT. I really liked it. I only had it for like three years, but um, I just have really bad luck with cars, man. And it uh, ate oil. I got the engine replaced, and then it ate more oil. Hmm. Yeah, nah, cars. I'm getting my bike back next week, so hopefully, okay. hopefully it runs better. Uh, I built a 1971 XS650, so it's a pretty cool bike 
Um, I, I can when I'm not driving, I can pull. I can do a PTR of the bike, but um, I'm gonna look yeah, it up right I now. I did the whole thing. XS650. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm looking. I mean, up my right. bike looks nothing like the stock. I mean, you know, it's completely custom. Like we, but we even the stock. We welded cool, it. The stock is cool. Yeah, we welded a whole different back end on it. Um, I built a whole another harness. Um, like I did all the electrical, and you know, I built the battery box and all that jazz. So. Now, what I do want to ask, because I have seen these types of bikes, and they are very, very cool looking, but as like a tall person, what I'm curious about is, one, it, is the handlebars too far away and too short to be comfortable? And two, do you feel like you're sliding off the seat because it's so long as opposed to having like the recess that more modern seats have that are shorter? So my seat's completely custom as well. Like I built my seat. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, it doesn't have that. And my, um, and my bars are custom too. So I have flat track bars. So like what you would see on a race bike, like that's what oh, I okay. bars. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a cool bike, man. I'd love, yeah, definitely put it up in your PZR when you, uh, when you stop, I want to see the custom. Is it quick or, or more just for cruising? Well, I took a hundred pounds off of stock and I, um, bored out the cylinders to positions. So it's pushing almost 700 CC instead of 650, And it's only a 300 pound bike. So it's terrifyingly fast. <laughs> Sounds it, man. Jeez. And I miss my bike. It'd be nice. I'm too scared to ride him. I'd love to get, I'd love like a uh, Indian or like a, like a fat boy or something like that. Like a Harley. Uh, you got to be yeah. a Christian convert today. Then you I go rode, ride with no fear. Right. Yeah. I rode, I rode an Indian. Yeah. I had a, a Indian scout. That was a nice bike. I would love one, man. It's just, I've heard like a lot of people say that it's not really a good idea to get a bike for your first time when you're older. I'm 31, not older, 31. You know, they said you should really be like riding it for a lot of your life. And then I'm just so nervous about not myself because, you know, I'd, I'd be responsible. I wouldn't be like flying down the highway or whatever. But other people, man, you know, someone doing something dumb and catching me. Yeah, that's the thing. you you got to be an offensive driver. Like there's no defensive on a bike. Like you got to have your head on a swivel and yeah, just yeah. <laughs> you can't be a defensive driver. Yeah, I ran down a, uh, fell down a rabbit hole on Reddit uh, a few weeks ago that was like a motorcycle crash. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah some people know they don't have a problem. Yeah, and it's like where you live, right? Like whenever I had mine, I was, I mean, I was like in a pretty, well, mostly rural area. So I, I would be able to like go on just big, big like weekend cruises. And there was like not a lot of traffic, not a lot of cars. I'd go up in the mountains and stuff like that. Um, but where I live now in Florida, uh, man, I, <laughs> I wouldn't trust, I'd, I'd be probably squashed in a week. Oh like, yeah. There's those like people, five lane roads or highways. There, there's like wrecks like constantly because you have like the old people that are natives here that drive like 50 in a 70. You have like New Yorkers who are like 80 years old and they drive like 90 in a 70. And it's just such a mix of people and drivers and skill and lack of that. No one knows what they're doing. So there's wrecks constantly around here. Yeah, where I live can get pretty wild, too. A lot of people race where I'm at, which is annoying, also. Have we solved religion? 
for the day. We good? Can we go home? Yeah, I had a question about Jordan Peterson. What do you guys think about him and his view on Christianity? I'm not very familiar with uh, him or his views. Only what I see in the headlines, but that's not. Yeah, yeah. that's not enough to go off of. I don't really. He's what? That's my that's my bike from the back. On my PT. Oh, that's sick, man. That's so nice. I mean, my what do you think, Jen? Dude, I love oh, I those handlebars. What, Jen? Um, yeah. So what I was going to say is like, but um, well, he led me back to faith like uh, many years ago when, uh, yeah, he's like, uh, you know, he has like some um, videos on YouTube on Bible stories, and he has a really interesting way of uh, interpreting them in a psychological way. Hmm. So that's what that's what some Christian think that um, is psychological. Just using too much psychology in these books, but uh, I don't know because like people asked him many times, Do you believe in God? and it's like kind of like dodges the question, it's like, What do you mean by believe? What do you mean by God? and do you act like God exists? and he just doesn't want to answer it. Oh, he's so incredibly he... annoying with that. He doesn't, he doesn't respond to anything, he doesn't present his beliefs while simultaneously saying that religion's important, yet he doesn't specify what religion or which God he's talking Like, he's, he's bizarre. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if you heard of his, like, um, he had a speech with uh, Richard Dawkins, and they started to go into the psychedelic um, topic, and he said that he, he's, he's doing uh, Kundalini Yoga, and he'd been using mushroom for many, many years, I think. Uh, I mean, he always talked positively about LSD and how it helps to get rid of smoking and stuff. So I think he has a very Eastern way of seeing God. It's more like about consciousness, you know. I don't think it's really Christian. Yeah, he's Jungian. I mean, he's all about the Carl Jung. Oh yeah, he mentioned it all the time. So, what do you guys think about him? He's like useful for Christian, but then yeah, I mean, I, really... I don't really know much about him at all, so I have no idea. I mean, I I know enough about him to say he doesn't seem like a Christian. So, I mean, I guess there's that, <laughs> but I I don't really know much. Uh, like, I just heard he's a youngian. Like, I I didn't even know that much about him. I I just never really listened to him or heard him or anything like that. Well, I mean, it's interesting that he's talking against, you know, the nonsense. I mean, he used to be a um, university teacher, right? And he stood against the pronouns thing back in 2017. I don't remember. That's that's the biggest thing I know him for, is is that thing. Yeah, that's and really he, lost, he lost his um, his job, I think. And I think now recently they, they said that he has to do, um, what's it called? Reeducating something? Sounds to be like a woke camp, you know. <laughs> if you want your license back, you have to agree with what we tell you to teach people, you know. Oh boy! <laughs> it's like nowadays, you know. You you let's say there's people like having problems with, um, I don't know. You go to the psychologist and he says, "Are you gay?" You know, and it's like, no, maybe you are gay. Like, no, maybe I'm not. No, maybe maybe you are gay. And it's like, you know, it's like they 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 give you all like these weird things. This weird notions or like 
if you have gender dysphoria, like they, they go along with it, you know, rather than tell you, look, maybe you should think about it and, you know. Yeah, like instead of you're, you think you're a chick, well, try some like super testosterone for a week and let me know if you still think you're a chick. Then we'll Yeah, but on. see, the thing is they're giving uh, testosterone injections to women that want to change into male. But yeah, I know. That's men... what I'm saying. I'm, I'm yeah. saying they should do the opposite first. So like give them, yeah, like if you're a dude and you think you're a chick. Well, shoot them full of testosterone and see if they still think they're a chick or if they're like, oh, no, 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 something was just off. I'm a dude. Like, instead of giving them the opposite hormone, give them the correct hormone and see if that quickly and easily fixes the problem. And if it I doesn't. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't, I don't know. You well, guys of course they're not going to, but they should. No, of course they're not going to do that, but they should do that. But they're not yeah, going yeah. to because they want a lifelong patient. Like, they want to chop them up and, like, you know, disease them and, like, give them, like, wounds that can't heal. And pump them so full of like crazy juice that they they're gonna make millions of dollars over the course of their life before they expire themselves. Yeah, that's what it is pretty much. Like there was like a uh, one trans and had like a video showing how many pills he takes. I'm like, oh my goodness, man! It's like that's it. You're our client for your for your all your life now. <laughs> well, Brian, welcome to our happy conversation. <laughs> how have you been? Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Likewise. What's been uh, going on in your world? Ooh, I'm, I just work. Working, working. <laughs> working in grandbabies. Welcome back, Mr. Bill. Oh, man, you're surrounded by Calvinists now. Is Bill Calvinist too? Oh, that's it. I'm going to quit. <laughs> yes, Bill's They're all, all right, yours, let the, mate. Let the battle begin. <laughs> well, it sounds like you guys should have invaded the room last night or something. Man, they're extremely quiet. Dude, all I all I hear in my head right now is the Star Trek original series fight music, you know? Like the dun 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 dun. Right? You guys with me? Dude, I'm not a Star Trek person. I'm more like a Star Wars. Yeah, Hey, what about the Lord of the Rings? I do like the Lord of the Rings. Nobody putting in pot anymore? Did the rapture happen? Like, are you guys still there? What's going oh on? no, yes. we'll, we 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 left behind. <laughs> what the heck? I think Brian looks a little like Kirk Cameron. Hmm. Oh yeah, very interesting picture. You changed from your goat with uh, the triangle and the eye and the marijuana behind to gentleman. Is with great pleasure I inform you, Christ is Lord. But you have you have to say it with like the frog accent. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. I think you just did. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Why do you have a bowl? <laughs> Are you worshiping the cow? <laughs> the golden cow. Golden Where is cow. a cow? Does someone have a cow? What are we talking about? No, Chris. Um, Avatar's picture. It has like a a bowl, right? I still see his motorcycle. No, I it's don't see motorcycle. the motorcycle. 
I don't see any motorcycle. Pull, pull to refresh. I did pull to refresh. Oh, you mean him. Did Clubhouse break something else? Okay, I see it now. Oh, there you go. Oh, you saw my Oregon Trail. Oh. Instead of you have died of dysentery, it is you have died of bad theology. <laughs> Steph wants us to show about the Oregon Trail. It's a video game from like the 80s. Yeah. We'll tell you I'm, all things 80s. I'm, I'm not. I'm not that old. Brian is the honored. Dungeon and so. Dragons, something like that. It was in the 80s or 90s. Well, this is like like one of the first actual like video games, like on the old old Apple computers. Oh, like Macintosh and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like you put oh, like the five and five. Wait, you put like the five and a quarter Apple inch floppy disk in it, right? Like Tetris, yeah. right? <laughs> oh man, Tetris All I know is, is like, like ten years after Oregon. Yeah, it was on the like five and a quarter inch floppy disk, right? Yes, 100%. Five and a quarter floppies. The best kind of floppies. I hated those things. Dude, you could take a hole punch and make it a two-sided floppy. That was the best part. Huh. I just remember, like, Doom. We used to play Doom, and it was when, what, three, was it three and a half or three and a quarter, like, the smaller disc came out? And... You could, we had, there's this thing called span disc. Like it was like a thing you could, you could like, so like the doom, it was on like a, it was a really big program. Like, like for the disc, it, I forget how many discs it took, but whenever we would like uh, copy it, <laughs> it was like the first game I ever pirated. Um, just kidding. Uh, sorry, mom. But um, someone I totally know was into that. And they, they figured out a way to um, pirate doom. And I don't remember if it was on CD or if it was still before when it had discs, but they would span discs. So instead of like a, a CD or whatever, you would have like 23 of those little three and a quarter inch or whatever it was discs. And you would just like put in one and then it would be like, OK, put in disc two of 20, disc three of 20, disc four of 20. So like that's how all the kids at our uh, high school got doom. So I heard I've heard. What about Half-Life? What about Desperados? Or like Virtua Cops? No. Uh, what else was it? Rabbit Jazz? Some really, really old games. Oh, Age of Empires. Did you play Age of Empires? Strategy games? It's like a new one, right? No, Age of Empires was quite old. Uh, I think they remade it now. Oh, because I remember people... like... I remember like Civilization and Colonization. Um, I remember those games. Command those and Conquer. Like how you had to like get the Spanish galleons across the sea. And there's a game called um, Oh Oh Scorched Earth. Oh, that game was so fun. It was like the cheesiest game. It was like ten tanks, and they're all named like like um, like dictators' names. There was like Mussolini and like like I there, there's like. And like composers, it's like dictators and composers. It's like Beethoven and Bach and like other, other, uh, was Napoleon one? But it, it was like randomly would assign you these names, and you'd be like a little tank, and you'd use like velocity and uh, arc and stuff, um, 
to use different weapons. So you'd like shoot like a nuke and it like blow a big hole around and you could, you're like on the side of a mountain. So you could like shoot napalm and it would like drip down the mountain and like kill the other tank. Like, Oh, that was such a fun game. It was like eight bit graphics. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I had battle zone, which was like little stick figure tanks. Let me see if I can PTR this one. I'm just, I'm old. So, like, the video games I played were, like, very basic. Oh, did you play Diablo? The first one? Uh, Yeah, I played, I was much older when Diablo came out. I didn't play the first one. I think I played, like, the second or third one. And I was like, I played it for, like, a couple of days. And I was like, this is boring. Um, oh, man, I missed this game. I'm looking at pictures of it. There's got to be a way to play this somewhere. Now, in my 20s, I worked for the university, and so I was going to school and working at the same time, um, and I was the head of IT for the College of Education. I was like 25, and they put me in charge of 400 people. Um, brilliant. Anyway, so we had gotten all of the computers locked down, and my staff was really good. Like, I had a lot of really good guys who I managed all these guys. They were just a couple of years younger than me. We're all still friends to this day. It's interesting. But, um, but yeah, we had everything so locked down. We had nothing to do during the day. So everybody was playing video games. We were playing like quake three mods. And, you know, I got, there was this lady who, um, she was one of the, the professors and she had brought in like so much grant money that basically she got her own private office and all this other niceties and then her son had graduated from college and he was kind of a loser. And so they were like, hey, you have to give this kid a job in IT. And this guy came straight from Nebraska and just didn't know the first thing about computers. Just got a complete degree in IT and literally didn't know how to turn a computer on. And his name was Jerry, but he was hilarious and charming and just like a really great guy. He's like a football like dude. Um, yeah, just just hilarious guy and so we all got along famously but this guy got so good at video games he was like world ranked at a quake mod called urban terror and so like this dude would come on and whole servers of people would just quit because they would see him because <laughs> <laughs> he got so good at it and we were like we just egged him on and we we're like yeah man and then like work orders would come up and jerry like i made jerry into the printer guy because he just couldn't fix pcs printers are a lot easier so like a printer would break and then i'd be like jerry you got to go fix this printer and he's like yeah i will after this round <laughs> it, was, it was awesome man university days yeah i mean nowadays you have esports you know it's like this basically electronic sports you play this counter-strike i think or some other games and people actually make money on that but I yeah, think, this was uh, long before anybody made money on it. He just was, you know, he was just playing this game and there was like world rankings and, you know, he was number one in the world at this game for like quite a few months before he got knocked out. But he got bored of it, like, you know, because you just have to play it so much to, to keep that ranking. He was like, well, I'm bored now. So then you'd just be sitting there reading or whatever else. <laughs> Jerry, why are you not keeping your rank? You know, that's your job around here. You know, he's like, ah, oh, come on. You know, it's like rock singers, you know, all their fans, they keep asking them to sing the same old songs and they're bored with them. It's like, gosh, I just want to play something different, you know? <laughs> yeah. Chris PTR. 
Does that look familiar to you? It's like the tanks would be on like the oh, side yeah. of mountains. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I played that. Okay, now now I know what you're talking about. I didn't know the names <laughs> or whatever, but yeah, you'd shoot the. You had to get the angle just right, and then you'd shoot it on yes. the mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was so fun. What was yeah, it, Chris I, PTR? I have my son playing. What's that? My PTR. No, Nate's PTR. My PTR is still my motorcycle, but um, and I'm driving again, so I'm not going to change it. But uh, yeah, no, it was a. Uh, I, I have my son playing some of these classic games, and he's like, "Seriously, you think this is a video game?" Like, thing. And I'm like, "Yeah, you got to learn one thing really well." <laughs> he doesn't like it. <laughs> Walk me out of my Christian depression, Chris. This is what happens when there's, uh, <laughs> you know, with the exception of Jen and Roland, man, no one is finding us anymore except people that already know us and or Christians. So, lol. I don't know, man. Is this is this how it goes? Is Clubhouse right, going away right. the dinosaur? Like, no, right, no one can find us. I'm going to play the atheist. Right, uh, you, there you go. Oh, wait, you're yeah, back to oh, some kind of phase, so right? Steph wanted me to tell you about Oregon Trail and the Ox. So, like, Oregon Trail was less like, what, didn't we? Didn't we? Go it was ahead. like this video game way back in the 70s. And basically, like, you had green screen and you had the oxen that pulled your covered wagon. And uh, there was all kinds of dangers and everything for you to get down the Oregon Trail and make it to Oregon to, to be a settler. And uh, one of the big things is you have died of dysentery. And so... <laughs> you, you just constantly, like, it's just very tricky and very difficult. And it was, like, constantly, like, you have died of dysentery. Or, like, the Indians would attack and they'd kill you. I mean, there's just all this whole thing. I think it's Native peoples, Chris. Yes, indeed. They were completely and 100% peaceful before um, Europeans came. And then they, you know, became warlike. That's correct, right? Yeah. Go ahead and get yourself in trouble with another group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hi, right, guys. My wife wants me to touch grass. <laughs> so oh, have fun. Next time. <laughs> Good talk. Bye, guys. Have fun. Bye. Bye, Jen. Nice to meet you, man. Yeah, nice to meet you, too, guys. Yes, come back. It was nice. Bye-bye. I like that guy. Now's a chance for for is it you or Brian? I think I think Brian thinks you should just like sing sing the songs as they are in in the Psalms. Um, now's your chance, guys. Break out some of that. Oh yeah, Brian has gone to Psalm only. I think yeah. He's gotten super duper reformed. And we don't want to record it. We want you to do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's all you get. Yaw yeah. is not pleased. Um, is that what you Sure. Saying? Sure. I don't know what else to talk about. <laughs> what is it? Uh, hang on a second. <clears throat> I think it's... Uh, it's been a long time. You know, I used to speak down at a... I used to preach at a homeless mission 
um, anywhere from three to maybe six times a month. And um, we would only sing from the Psalms or from the scripture. We never picked up the hymn book. We only sang from the Bible. And it was just a way to teach these guys um, the scripture. And so I know just dozens and dozens of scripture songs. How about like Psalm 80 and you just throw down like an impeccatory psalm about the slaughtering of your enemies? Yeah, I don't know that one. Are you typing it up? I'm I'm looking for a couple of these here. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's a good question. Um, Random wants to know why substitutionary atonement is considered just. That is a good question. Grace versus justice. I'd say consider that. Would you like to expound on that, Chris? I mean, the basic argument, Random, is that all sin is against God, ultimately. Um, God sends Jesus, who is also part of the, you know, he is not part. He is a member of the Trinity. Um, he willingly, from the foundation of the world, is the Lamb who is slain for our sins. Um, he comes and dies a substitutionary death. Um, to satisfy God's justice. And so then God's justice is satisfied with the punishment of Christ on the cross when he pours all of his His wrath onto Christ. And then Christ says he, it is finished and gives up his, uh, his spirit. So that is substitutionary atonement. So the idea is if all sin is against God and then God pours out his wrath for that sin onto himself... Um, then that is satisfying his justice while allowing us grace. Good job. All right. <clears throat> Going here, Isaiah 51, 11. This is one of my favorite scripture songs. Do, do, do you know that verse, Nate? <clears throat> uh, no, let me get it. I'll follow along. 51, 11. Yeah, look at the King James, though, because all these songs were in the King James. <clears throat> okay, it's hard to do to make me go down to click on King James, but I will do it for you. Well, I, I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm ready. Fire ready? it up. Now, look, I, I, I do not sing, so, you know, you got to remember, I'm singing to homeless guys, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a singer, but this is the way that would go. Um, and, and by the way, all, all my kids grew up singing these, so they would like walk around the house just belting these things out. Um, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. 
and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. <clears throat> Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. So it was those kind of songs. That was awesome. Very good. But I think I know dozens and dozens of those kind of little jingles from the scripture. When someone says they used to go to a liturgical church, how many types of churches fit into that category? It's like three or four, right? Or like tons. <laughs> no. Anybody? Uh, a lot more than that. I mean, what? I'm thinking like anybody, what, Catholics, like Lutheran, or like, yeah. Look, in, anybody that is more formal than you is considered liturgical. <laughs> well, so, wait, don't they have to, like, like, that means they would have to, like, utter, like, a what like a uniform like liturgy type thing or something no man some some people think that just because you have a bulletin and an order of worship you're liturgical uh, you can go to an independent baptist church that sings three hymns and a sermon but because you've got an order that you follow you're liturgical so what would it be in like a more strict sense like what i'm thinking maybe not three or four but i mean like a pretty strict sense oh uh, yeah i mean i i don't know how to define it i just know that if, if if you if you don't have some type of responsive uh, element of your worship or a couple of Latin phrases thrown in there, you're not liturgical. <laughs> right. So how is that not three or four, Chris? That's like maybe like Lutherans and Catholics, like like a Anglican. I don't Lutherans, know. Lutherans, Catholics, kind of... Anglicans, uh, Re Reformed Baptists Orthodox, usually do that. Reformed Baptists. Uh, my church is considered liturgical. We do a we do a call out and response. Yeah, our, no, our, you're, our you're one of the people with the bulletins that Brian's talking about. All right, so we're up to four churches. Like I said, three or four. How many more do you got? It's not like bulletins and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, like our, our, our church is a PCA church. The worship isn't necessarily considered liturgical, but I guarantee you that I've heard people talk about our church being liturgical because we've got, you know, confession and uh, of sin and and reading of the law and responsive stuff and absolution and just different different aspects. You know, we celebrate the Lord's Supper weekly, and so I mean, there there's just different things where people would look and say, "Oh, you're liturgical." Okay, so most normal people, when they mean that, mean like Catholic or Lutheran or like one of the big ones. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you've got a censor and you've got, you know, a robe up in weird robes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wait, I've got those in my, I've down. got those in my closet right now. Is that. There you go. You can have a liturgical church, but like, yeah, high church. You'll, you'll hear also like high church versus like low church. If your church has a censor for their smoke, then you're probably high church. If your church has a smoke machine for your ch church, you're probably low church. If your church has a sensor, you might be a liturgical church. Eh, it's like a Foxworthy. How are getting a Jeff Foxworthy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, again, my church would probably be considered liturgical. We, you know, 
we do confessions and call and response and you know we do corporate uh, confession of sin we do um you know uh, lord's supper every week uh we fence really, the your table so. church does all that yeah i mean i said we're a reformed leaning church like i'm not kidding It's just that our it's just that our music sucks rocks. It's terrible. <laughs> but if Brian got up there in a robe and and uttered out some uh, KJV songs, um, bro, that would be such a major improvement to our church. I can't even tell you. <laughs> well, this this was an independent, a fundamental independent Baptist mission, so I guarantee you there weren't any robes. There, there was suits. a lot of boot stomping, snorting, cliche <laughs> spouting, sweating, King James only spouting preaching. Good, Morrow, Michael. Happy Friday! What's everybody doing today? Oh, doing some work. Um not having any conversations from people questioning Christianity. Oh, really? Well, man, I tell yeah. you. No one can find us. No one can find us. Thanks, Clubhouse. Yeah. It's you interesting. You need to bring the rest of the atheists over. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, um, so it used to be, that before the last update, whatever fiasco that was, it used to be that your room, I guess, I don't know, I think the algorithm had it so that because I visited your room so frequently, it was at the top of the list. Uh, this morning when I opened up the app, it was down near the bottom. So oh. I, I just I just don't know what's going on. I I leave it to the techno. Chris, it's probably your fault. You're a computer guy. Do you not um, follow, the, yeah, uh, do you follow the house? Are you a member of the house or whatever? Uh, yeah, he I'm is because sure. he doesn't have a red flag. You what? Yeah, he's a member of the, he's a member because he doesn't have a red flag. Yeah. You see red flags? I don't see red flags on anyone. What does that mean? Right, exactly. Everybody's a member of your house. That means that there's no visitors. So, like, son of a prophet just came up here. Like, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say he's probably not a member, but where would I see a red flag if he wasn't? Right on, on his, his PTR. Yeah. yeah, be on the left-hand side of his PTR. Yeah. yeah. So, also, well, son of a prophet, are you a member of the Ask a Christian house? Uh, no, uh... <laughs> I don't know why I'm not, but unfortunately, I'm not. I've, many times I've been here, I'm not. I'm not. Are you, I don't see a are red you flag. Sure you're not? Because I don't see a red flag, man. You may have clicked it. Maybe they changed it again. Anyway, how so, are you doing, son? I don't know. Yeah, that's How's that's true. Going? So I don't have a red flag. So I mean, could I possibly be a member? And that's what I'm maybe thinking, not man. know it. Yeah, maybe just click on your own PTR and check your houses. You may be a member of the house and just didn't even know it. Let me check right quick. Go to my hey, PTR. But if you find out you are, you can't yeah, leave. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm All right, Brian, good man. to see you, Brian. You Take care. <laughs> but yeah, son, did you have anything to actually say before we uh, start talking about all that stuff? Yeah. You uh, said ask a Christian a question. Yeah, please. I'm going to shoot for it. Uh, in the beginning in Genesis, right, when uh, God asked Adam, I believe he asked Adam three questions after the fall. Why, uh, why didn't he answer the second? 
And do you believe that the question that was asked, the second question that was asked, do you believe that that was a rhetorical question or was that in a literal sense? Uh, do you have a chapter and verses? I believe that's in Genesis 3. I'm at work right now, so there's only but so far I can go. But I'm going to accommodate right. for the word of God. And what questions are you talking about? Um, when God's talking to the people after the fall or when Satan's uh, asking, like, did God really say this? Like, which questions are you talking about? No, well, this is, our, this is the question that God is asking Adam. So after they disobeyed, when he's like, where have you been? That yeah, 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 yeah. These are these questions. Where have you been? He asked him like three questions. And right, I was I'm like try to find it. Okay, it's it's uh three eleven, twelve, and thirteen. So the questions are Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And so then Adam replies, The woman whom you gave me to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate it. So he doesn't answer the question, who told you that you were naked? Exactly. And most people he, only want to tell me why. Uh, why uh, most people only want to tell me why he didn't, uh, not necessarily why he didn't answer it, but they mostly want to interpret, you know, uh, what he was going through in the scripture. And I, we clearly understand that this have to obviously have something to do with shame and guilt. Because that wasn't present, and that was the only thing that was acknowledged in the beginning. I mean, in the end of Genesis chapter two, there was no shame. So it's like instead of trying to kind of give me an interpretations of what that is, far as and its totality of the context of the scripture, because I completely understand this is a shameful event for Adam. But let's really direct ourselves on the question that I asked. Uh. Why didn't Adam answer that? We don't know. Well, we don't know. I mean, we, the scripture doesn't tell us why he didn't answer it. It just says that. So God asked him two questions. I'm not sure where you see the third. There may be a third. I just glanced at it. So I'm not saying there's not a third. I just yeah, did you I saw the, the two questions. Yeah. So he said, who? So the two questions I got were, who told you you were naked? And did you eat from the fruit of the tree? I told you not to. Those are the two questions. Was there a third one that I missed? Yeah, you missed the very first one when he asked Adam, where are you? Oh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah, that's in verse eight. Yeah, again, I was I was stopped at a stoplight and just kind of trying to. Oh, yeah, so there's a little more to it. So so uh, he didn't just say, hey, why are you, why are you, who told you you were naked? Like there's a little sentence before that. So in eight, um, yeah, let's just back up to eight to get context. Um, so after they clothed themselves, uh, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of uh, the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Then he says, Who told you you were naked? There you go. Right, and then he asked the next yeah, question. That's so, yeah, that's beautiful, and, and, and it's and it's and it's and it's like I'm gonna be honest. That's beautiful that you read that, and it's and it's, I'm gonna be real. It's like I sincerely believe that was a literal question <laughs> and not a rhetorical one, though many hold to the possibility that that could be a rhetorical. But I 
don't believe that I do believe everything God does is intentional, whether we understand or not. But yeah, I just noticed Adam never asked that, answered that. He answered everything else, but that. That's my after question. So the question he didn't answer then, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to figure this out. So the question he did not answer was who told you you were naked? Is that what we're saying? Probably because yeah, he didn't want to like admit to he had a conversation, like yeah, like Eve had a conversation with the serpent, even though it ended up getting to that anyways. That's exactly that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying like okay. yeah, he, he didn't answer that question. I mean, yeah, why I have a belief as to why he didn't know. answer. Wow. I mean, okay. You, have you heard anybody say why he didn't answer? Like, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm. I mean, I know why. I, like, I know why. But who's gonna believe the guy who no one knows on Clubhouse as much? I mean, I got a few I mean, followers. Who's gonna man. believe that? Right? Who's gonna believe? Hey, this guy. Well, try, knows. It, try it out. I mean, what's your I, answer? Try us. Yeah, man. It may be really good. We don't know. I mean, we don't know you that well, so it may be really good. I've got I mean, nothing else to do right now. Let me ask you guys this. Like, do y'all believe God is still speaking? Like, man should not live off bread alone, but by every word that proceeds as if continually flowing from the mouth of God. So I would say this. Um, if your answer is going to, I'll be respectful regardless, but if your answer is going to be something like you got a prophetic vision or God told you um, that something that, that, you know, the Bible does not say because it's just not in the Bible. Like, you know, it doesn't say this is why the answer is. So if it's some sort of prophetic interpretation you got, um, I can tell you I would be highly skeptical, uh, bordering on not buying it. Um, if you say, well, based on you know the verses in this Bible, or if you pull something from another place in Scripture and say this is why I think this is the answer, then I may be like, okay, well, you know, that's a sounds like a okay hypothesis. Um, or I'd, I'd be like, no, if you're pulling out something about like you know obscure text in the Bible and it has nothing to do with it. So, I mean, it could go either way, but that's, that's kind of... Nate, 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 I'm going to be honest, Nate. You don't feel bad, like, hypothesizing the Word of God? I like, do. That's not, why I try not, not to. A, <laughs> not a, nah, Nate. You, like, nah, Nate. Wait, do we mean the same thing by that? So, like, whenever we just said, you said, you know, what, uh, what did Adam... When he said, why didn't Adam answer that? And the first thing out of my mouth was, we don't know because the Bible doesn't directly tell us. And then all of us have been kind of talking like, well, why could it be? Because he didn't want God to know he had the, the conversation with Eve and the serpent. Um, that's a hypothesis. And we were all I, I part mean, of that I'm discussion. A, I'm going to be honest, Nate, and I've heard you a few times, and this may be, I don't know, I'm, this is not to offend you or come off offensive, but this is a little bit disappointing from you, Nate, because out of all people, I would have never suspected you to have any limitations on the word of God just strictly to the scriptures of God. I, I would, I, yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, man. I, I, we know the scriptures testify of the word, but. Okay, I well, let's test that. Let's test that. Let's test that theory. What is the answer why God did not, um, why Adam didn't answer God's first question? What is your answer? I simply believe Adam told himself. Okay, so you believe it. So I, I don't know where you got that from, but Adam, Adam told him, now? told himself. Huh? Oh, wait, because Adam is God. Help us out, man. What, what, what's going on? 
no, no, I don't, no, I don't, no, I'm not going there with it, but I think Adam just told himself, you know, like how you do something shameful and, you know what I'm saying, and you, like you uh, talked out loud? Oh, I see what you're possibly. saying. Possibly, I don't know, that wasn't recorded, but it wasn't scripturally recorded, but I don't know. Let me see if I but can get just maybe, maybe, maybe like, Look, maybe like in his head, you know, like how we talk in our heads, <laughs> you know, like maybe like in his head, like how you hear yourself and tell yourself certain stuff. Like, have you ever called yourself a failure or anything like that or, or a liar or you ever beat yourself up like to condemnation? You shouldn't saying that there are no condemnation to those that are in Christ. But I mean, let's be honest, bro. Have you ever did it? Everybody has that condemnation. But uh, so let me see if I can get what you're saying. So what you're saying is no one told Adam that he was naked. He just figured it out himself. Yes. I mean, the Bible kind of does say that their eyes became open and they knew they kind of yeah. knew they were naked. So I don't see why he couldn't told himself that. Yeah, no, no I mean, told that, him. I mean, the answer to the question then would be that no one told him he figured it out because he had fallen. Scripturally, that could be the answer, and I, I there's nothing wrong with that. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think I've said anything untruthful. Uh, well, no, I mean that could be that could be no fine. Like the only problem I have is you said it was bad. I was hypothesizing, and but then you did the exact same thing. So I mean, and I don't even have a problem with that, other than you had a problem with me doing exactly what you just did. No, so you're I'm not going to do it. that, Nate. You're not. No, Nate. I don't think. No, listen, Nate. Like I'm, I'm okay. The only reason why I'm saying things like possibility and think is the only reason, and I'm just going to be truthful, is because I always, and this is just my walk of humility with the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Yes, tell us how I always are. leave room for error. I pretty much know, but that don't mean I'm going to just impose it on you. No. So I'm just, you know, throwing different perspectives out there. That's all. Okay. So, yeah, when we do the exact same thing, then cool. Yes, that'd be cool. There's no okay. problem with that. Can I um? Can I ask one more question? Sure. All right. At the uh, do you believe? And I had this weird conversation last night, right? That's why I'm asking. Like, do you believe when God told Adam to name the creatures? the living creatures of the earth, right? When he gave him dominion to do so. Do you believe that uh, Adam like conferred with God in the midst of doing that? There's no way to answer that with doing something that whether or not we call it this word, it is the definition of a hypothesis. I mean, we don't, we just don't know. I mean, he could have been having a whole chat with God. But the I mean, maybe he's like, maybe he's like trying to name like some kind of furry feline. He's like, uh, uh, uh what's, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, oh, I, I've never dealt with this before. What is that word? It's got fur. It's orange. And maybe God's like, you want to say tiger? He's like, oh, okay, that, that, that. Like, we have no idea. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, well, okay. Like, the, I'm gonna tell you why I asked this question. Like, I asked this question because I biblically prove that. Adam, there was a strong possibility that Adam was talking to himself. That Adam had the ability to talk to himself. 
And I showed that in Genesis 2. This was yesterday in a conversation. I believe it was Genesis 2. I think it was 23. Uh, I believe when the man, when Adam, when Eve was taken from his rib, and Adam said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. It seems like the people that I was talking to was conflating the fact that since the Lord God brought the woman to him, he had to have been talking to God concerning her. But I don't believe that because I think he was just doing what God asked him to do, which was have dominion, name every living creature. And I think she was living and I think he was just doing what he was previously before told to do so it was just like yeah but one question that I asked that stood out that no one could answer and I'll ask here was when Adam said that who was he talking to God or was he talking to Eve and what's the um, give the chapter and verse for that I'd like to read it myself hey I gotta go see a client I'll be back If you have a chapter and verse for that part. Yeah, that's Genesis 2 and 23. Genesis 2, 23. Genesis 2, 23. <clears throat> and I guess we can go into hypothesis mode, I guess, since we're human. But I have the mind of Christ, so I don't stay there. I'm pretty much sure in a sense. Well, yeah. I mean, my, my bigger question, like, yeah, I don't have a problem with him saying this out loud or talking to himself. I mean, you know, no, no doubt. It's like, even, even if he was talking to himself, God heard. I mean, it's not like right, God right. You know, doesn't hear stuff. So, I mean, I don't have a, I guess my bigger question is why, why does this matter? Like would, would this, the answer one way or another, like he was totally talking to God or he was just talking to himself or he was talking to both. Would that build into a larger case that would get into like some big doctrinal thing, like down the road? Because like right now it's a it's a wash. Like I have no problem with him calling this out, and, unless someone would say, and I know you're not going to do this, would say no. He's actually talking to another person that wasn't made by God because evolution is real. Um, like you, you know, like at what point, like how far would we go until this causes a problem? So like on his face, like it doesn't directly say. Like I'm certain God heard him. So whether he intended to have a conversation with God when he said this, or if he just said this out loud, like hey, um, you know, like whenever I like sing and play music and stuff like i'll do that out loud um because I, I enjoy the way it sounds in my own ears um sometimes so no one else needs to be present so maybe you know if you're the if you're the only one around he just wants to hear the sound of his own voice so i, I mean there's no inherent problem one way or another unless it builds into some sort of doctrinal thing where it becomes a problem so i guess that would be my Nah, I, I agree. I, like, I 100% agree with you. I just found it kind of odd yesterday. I ran into people who was just, like, completely sure he was talking to God. And I'm like, well, just because the Lord was present doesn't necessarily mean he was conversating with him in that particular sentence or statement. Yeah. Well, uh, Michael, you haven't said very much before I have to run here in a couple minutes. Do you have anything else uh, you'd like to say? Even yeah, if it's just talking to yourself. Time, oh, okay. Uh, 
Well, son, you have any anything else quickly, and then I'm going to have to bail, too. No, I love y'all. Let's continue to advance the kingdom. Well, I agree with that. All right, everyone, have an awesome Friday, and I guess we'll see you all next time. Take care.